Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode. And if you've listened to Rich Take on Sports, then you know two things are important. Sharing the impact of sports in people's lives and the Johnny O clothing brand, blending those East Coast classic styles with a SoCal vibe. I've been wearing Johnny O for several years, and now you can as well with 20% off your first order by using the promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com. Live your best life with the Johnny O style and use promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richard Weaver. This is episode 151. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Achieving success is something that we all try to accomplish in one way or another, whether that's each day, week, month, or year, or maybe just in a lifetime. But it does beg the question, how are we defining success? For Marcus Brown, his definition is much more than just winning. In the upstate of South Carolina, you'll find Marcus each week helping lead the junkyard, which he co-founded with Ben Bulware in 2018, as they strive to change people's lives with the most unique hit studio you'll find. Before the dream of the junkyard became a reality, you can find Marcus on their gridiron at Newberry College as a defensive back, where he helped the Wolves win a South Atlantic Conference Championship in 2016, while clinching a two-seed in the NCAA Division II Football Championship that same year. Our conversation with Marcus Brown. Marcus, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Greatly appreciate it. We're here at the I'm junkyard. Make, yeah. Yes. It took us a little time. Yeah, it did right? take some time, yeah, but we're here, so I'm hey, glad we got to make it. Your schedule is so busy, man. Yeah. You're right. moving and shaking, getting everybody in shape, right? 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 With growth, I guess. We've got to stay on the run, so yeah, we're getting there. Speaking of that growth, when you sit in here the junkyard and you walk in, not only this location and even the one in Greenville, I, I mean, are you amazed at times just what you guys have been able to accomplish yes definitely um sometimes i mean there's plenty of times where i walk in here and i'm just kind of going through and i'm working but i think when i sit back and really just think about it like not normally when i'm teaching but it's like after class or in the day when i'm closing up like either opening or closing like when you get to open up the door you have the keys i think that's like when i realized that like we built this and this is like ours and it's really cool because i never really thought of what it would actually be like. I've always thought ever since I was young, like, oh, yeah, I'll own my own business or I'll do this and that. But, like, to actually have it, I think it's pretty cool. And to be growing like that, I think it's really cool, too. How early was it as a kid that you were thinking about owning your own business? Oh, it was pretty early because I knew, I mean, I would say probably like middle school when they start to ask you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had ideas of what I wanted to be, but I knew that I was never, I never, I knew that I never really wanted to work for somebody. I knew that there was only, like, there's only so many college majors, but there's millions of jobs out there. So I used to think, 
I'm probably going to not do what I went to school for, <laughs> and I'm going to end up just being my own boss and like doing that. And that's just kind of how I've always been anyways, and it just kind of happened to work out that way. What were some of the things that you thought about that you would be well, when you grew up one yeah, day? Yeah, <laughs> well, so I, I wanted to go to school to be an engineer. Of course, I wanted to play football. Ended up going to school for nursing, wanted to be a football coach, things like that. So a lot of stuff that I could have done, but ended up doing this. And I think this is still kind of all of those things in one for the most part, because engineering-wise, I'm still problem-solving and fixing things. Coaching-wise, I'm still coaching everybody in here. Nursing, you know, you're still working on preventative health, I guess you can say. So I think it's a lot of those things in one. I just never really knew it would be this until now. So speaking of that engineering, then, you're lovingly referred to as the mad scientist. You know, coming <laughs> yeah. up with all of these different workouts. Yeah. How much do you enjoy that aspect of it, building something like that? I love it. I think, and it's honestly, it's not even like work to me. I think I just will sit there all day and just constantly do it. I mean, I already enjoy working out, but I think it's fun to just kind of see what the body can do and how it can change by doing different things and challenge people in different ways just by putting one move together with another move changes the whole entire workout rather than doing one with another move, and it just will make it a whole different day, I feel like. So it's just a lot of fun to see how much you can challenge people in different ways you can do the same thing, but in so many different ways. Yeah, how are you coming up with these things, though? I mean, is this just trial and error? I mean, I, I need to know. I mean, well, on days where we just have a lot of downtime, I'll sit in here and just, like, I'll look at a machine and think, how, like, what, like, I think, what do I want to work? And then I'll look at the machine and think, how can I make that machine do that? So I love the rower, and I'd use it more of just like a pool machine. I don't really think of it just as a rower. I think of it as any type of cable machine, and anything I can do on a cable machine, I can probably find a way to do it on the rower or just different ways to make it fun. I mean, I don't want to come in here and just squat and do push-ups every single day, so it's like I try to think of different ways to challenge people and have fun with it all at the same time. All right, I need to know then how many times have you, thought of something, started doing it, and like, oh gosh, this is not going to work. <laughs> there's a, I got a list of a few. There's, there's still some videos. I have some videos because I do videos of every move that we do, and I have some blooper videos of myself doing a move and either A, not being able to do it, B, just realizing afterwards, like, this is probably impossible, or some that I haven't even done the move yet because I can't do it. So I'm just like, ah, we're probably not going to do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, if you can't do it, yeah. there's no way I'm yeah. going to be able to do <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> well, some of them are, there's like one move I can think of off, like just off the top of my head. It's like weird sitting down. It's like, it's flexibility though. And my hip's not good. Oh, so I got like, none of that. I like, yeah, we're probably just not going to do this. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it. So we're not going to do it. So. You haven't hurt yourself, have you? No, I haven't hurt myself. I tried to do a handstand on a kettlebell one time and <laughs> fell. And we haven't done that yet either, so I think the only person that's seen that is Ben. I showed him one day. But oh, we got to see some yeah, of these blooper hey, videos. I, we might pull him out one day. <laughs> I kept it safe, but I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be pretty tough, so we didn't do that one. I love it. So going back to those early days, though, and, and you also mentioned maybe being a football coach, mm-hmm. uh, and you played football, yeah. obviously. Sports-wise, obviously your dad played at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So was it automatic that you were going to play football? I think so. I mean, it was, he never really, like, forced us to do anything. I think, like, it was just we wanted to play sports. I mean, my older sister played sports. I played sports. My brother started to play sports afterwards. But, I mean, it was just what we did. All my friends played. So ever since I was born, I just we were in sports, played everything. Didn't start to play football until older because you couldn't play until you were, like, eight or whatever. But you mean basketball, soccer, baseball. Played all those sports growing up. And then as I got older, it just kind of started to find time. I loved basketball growing up. Basketball was probably my favorite. 
and yes, sir. played That's that. That's what I'm talking about. Let's and, go hoops. Yeah, I know. That was my favorite. And so I, I played basketball all growing up. And then once I got a little bit older, I realized probably not going to be 6'5", <laughs> probably not going to dunk the ball like I want to, but I can control how strong I am and things like that. So I started leaning more towards football. And then once I got into – I guess the 10th grade, that's when I just solely started playing football and ended up going with that. But I've always loved it, though. How much of the sports playing was also maybe not even organized, Mm. like Little League and then obviously, you know, getting into school, but Mm. just in the neighborhood, just with your friends and stuff? All the time. So I I grew up with a a really good group of friends. Honestly, we'll be friends for the rest of our lives. But it was me and my brother, and then I have my best friend, A.D., he lived literally two doors down the street, and then another friend that lived a door down from him, and then I had a few other friends that were within, like, biking distance, less than a mile. And in the summertime, we would never stay at each other. Like, we would always stay at one person's house. So, like, it didn't matter whose it was, but every day we'd probably wake up and go play something. Normally it was basketball. There was a basketball court up the street. So we would play from sun up to sundown, countless of stories doing that. We'd go to the pool. But, I mean, we were constantly making up a game or playing a game, competing in some way, shape, or form at all times, like whatever it was. Exactly. That's the way my childhood was also. I mean, it was built around this community of just neighborhood kids getting together and figuring things out to do. Exactly. And for whatever reason, it gravitated to some type of competition. Oh, for sure. (laughs) To your point, we were making up stuff. Exactly. (laughs) And I mean, mean, we were definitely boys. I mean, we would... It'd be, it'd get rough sometimes, but I mean, at the end of the day, we were all friends, but I mean, we would have the biggest competition. Me and my brother probably the most, because of course we're brothers. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it just made us who we were, and we just loved every bit of it. So. Yeah, but nice. now what about your sister? How competitive was uh, she with you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, younger, I mean, definitely more, I mean, she was definitely the boss. I mean, <laughs> she was a basketball player, and we knew, I mean, hey, she ran it. I mean, she was definitely the older sister until until we got bigger, of course, but for the for the longest time, I mean, she was head honcho of the house. I mean, yeah, you were scared of her? Oh, for sure. I mean, she was. I mean, three sport athlete. I mean, she played everything. I mean, of course, she didn't. Ever, she didn't ever go play in college. But I mean, it's not because she wasn't able to. I mean, she just took the more educational route. But I mean, volleyball, basketball, swam, ran track. I mean, phenomenal athletes. So, I mean, she definitely set the tone for us going up. But I mean, then me and Solomon just kind of took it over. How from much there. did she influence you in terms of? how you wanted to progress as an athlete? Oh, a lot. I mean, she's a very driven person. I mean, she's a doctor now. So, I mean, she's always kind of had that mindset of she's going to work hard, and if she's not good at it, she's going to get good at it. And so I knew from a young age, just watching her, I wanted to do everything she did. I wanted a pink bike just like she had a pink bike. So, <laughs> I, did, from, did you have a pink bike? Oh, I, had, I mean, I had a pink bike because it was her hand-me-down until <laughs> there, uh, there was a story. My dad, we went, to the, we went to the store one day, and he, I was like, I want that bike. It was a pink bike. My dad was like, oh, you're getting a blue bike. So I got a blue bike. But before that, it was a pink bike. But, I mean, anything that she did, I remember – I still remember probably this day the first time I ever beat her in a race because she could run. So, I mean, I don't remember how old I was exactly, but we were in our front yard. And I mean, we were racing to a tree, and I beat her. And I was like, oh, did I just win? <laughs> and then after that, I mean, I, was, I guess that was just at that point to where I got faster. But, oh, I remember all the time, I mean, we used to have, like, little league, like, track teams in elementary school, and she would always be on that and be, like, the fastest girl. So I always wanted to be just like her in that aspect, and, and it just kind of led from there. And then you as a middle child, mm-hmm. and so now your brother mm-hmm. imagines looking up to you yeah. and probably to your sister as well. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you 
being the middle child, you always hear about middle child uh, syndrome yeah. and all that. Yeah, I do. I think, I, but I, I really understand. I mean, I think like I'm still the oldest boy, so it's just kind of like I get some of that treatment of being like the oldest, even though I'm not. Um, but I mean, still, I, I enjoyed having a younger brother. There was times where I remember he couldn't catch a football when we were young. And so I used to get in trouble because if you put him by the road, the ball would go on the road. If you put him by the car, the ball would hit the car. So it was like, there was, it was, I used to think, I have the worst little brother in the world. But um, when we were young, he didn't even want to play football. And so he ended up, he went to college and played football. I mean, he was great. But he didn't even want to play football when he was young. And I remember I went to a camp and I was out there playing. He was just out there running around having fun and no cleats on, just barefooted, just playing. He, he just wanted to have fun. And he's still that way. And then he ended up starting to play. So I'm sure that had a big influence on him. And we're completely different when it comes to it. Like me, like I would come home in the summertime, worked out every day, twice a day, like did that, live, breathe, and sleep it. And for him, he was all, I mean, not that he didn't take it serious. He was just real fun with it. Like he would come home in the summertime, just kind of hang out, worked out when he needed to. It was just like, and we used to tell him, you're not, that's not going to work when you get to college. You're going to have to be <laughs> strong and you're going to have to work hard at it. You're not going to be bigger than everybody. But, I mean, he always just found, well, you know, some people are just players. Like, they're just game time players. And that's just how he was. I mean, he just had fun with it. And if he wasn't having fun, he wouldn't do it. So, I mean, he always enjoyed his sports. And, I mean, he was good at it. And that just football just kind of where we both gravitated to. Well, you guys obviously have some good DNA. Yeah. That, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. From a discipline standpoint, though, I mean, with you, it sounds like you're much more of, a disciplined guy and committed like that where did that come from definitely I mean both of my parents for sure my mom's a teacher so very structured my dad's just kind of strict on I mean he's just and wakes up early goes to work I mean that's just kind of works hard still works now should be retired but still works hard (laughs) like not just office job but like hard work he does concrete stuff so he's still working hard he works at home um, but, I mean, definitely both of my parents. My mom was always pretty strict on us with school and just kind of keeping us narrow. But I guess the drive just kind of – it had to come from them from somewhere. I mean, they both are successful people, so it just had to just come from there somewhere and just I didn't want to fail, so I always just made myself kind of do it, I guess. And that's what i always curious to hear, you know, the you don't want to fail. Yeah. You know, so is it – you know, how are you motivated? Is it to prove people wrong or – you know, to prove people right that believed in you or, you know, is it that a fear of failure? Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of all of that. I mean, there's like a lot of the people, like you always have the people that say you're not going to do anything and this and that. So, I mean, that's in my mind, but it doesn't ever really affect me none. There's the people that I want to do good for, I mean, my family, my friends, just to show that it can be done. Like younger people that look up to me are like, other friends that maybe didn't have such a good situation, and I try to show them that they can. And then I think a lot of it maybe is just for myself, just wanting to be challenged and wanting to do good. I think it maybe is a fear of failure. Like sometimes if I look around and see somebody that's maybe not in the best place, like I know that's not where I want to be. And so I see people when they are they have the things that I want and doing the things that I want to do. So it's like I know that I have to work hard to be there. So it's just always been like, if that's what I want, this is what I have to do to get there. And so I never really think of why I do it. I just know I'm going to do it, and then I do it. How, how many people doubted that you guys could do uh, this? A, a fair amount. I mean, <laughs> I would say, I mean, you had a plenty of people that were very supportive. But, I mean, there was plenty of people, you know, when it comes to running your own business and 
They just, and I don't even know if they were doubting, more of just being like, hey, you need to be aware of how you could fail doing this. Everybody always wants to tell you how you can't, like, or what could go wrong with it, whether it's like, hey, you know, you never want to be business partners with your friend because then you become, you won't be friends forever or you don't want to do this or starting your own business is going to be hard or you're not going to have enough money or like, how do you really do that? But I mean, I think every time we've had things like that be said, we've always kind of just proved it wrong. We've just taken it one step at a time. And like I said, we, Ben and I, we know where we want to be and we know what we want to do and whatever we have to do to do that, I feel like we just get it up, whether it's wake up at 3.30 in the morning or go to sleep at 12 o'clock at night or work these long hour days or whatever it is, we know that that's what we have to do. Regardless if we want to or not, we're just going to do it because it's for the betterment of both of us. I've always heard that the one ship that you don't want to be in mm-hmm. with a friend is a partnership. Yeah. So yeah. To your point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so how do you and Ben make it work then? I think we just both understand that like, We've had, we, we talked about it at the beginning. We know it's like, he's a grown man, I'm a grown man. Like, we'll have those tough conversations. We'd rather have them early and at the beginning than, you know, later on in the courtroom. And we talked about that from the very beginning. And he's not afraid to hurt my feelings. I'm not afraid to hurt his feelings if it's for the better of the business. And, I mean, we're together. I mean, we've been together every day since we've started this. And we do really well. I mean, most of the time we're too tired to even argue about anything. <laughs> so it's just like... My main thing, the way I think about it is, even if it's something I don't want to do, it's just like, is it to help the business? Yes, then I do it. I never, we don't take a lot of things personal. Like, me and him are both kind of just like cut and dry. There's nothing personal. Like, he can get mad at me and yell at me, and I can be mad for a few minutes, but I'm going to get over it, and vice versa for him. So I think we know, like, what the priority is and what the end goal is, and we just roll with it. And obviously, I mean, you each know your own skill sets mm-hmm. and utilize those to the best of the company's mm-hmm. situation. When you hear the word can't, people say can't. Mm. How do you respond to that? It makes me want to do it. I'm definitely a person that, like, if you tell me I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Like, regardless of what it is, I'm very, very competitive, I would say. Like, me and Ben, we've had, we've had these conversations before where it's like, what is your number one attribute that you would put up against anybody in the world? Like, for example, LeBron James, basketball, he is going to be the best. Ben, he says his is like his leadership. He's a great leader. Me, mine is like loyalty and like competitive. And so I'm competitive to a fault, to where it's whether it really doesn't matter what we're doing. If, if there's a, there is a winner and a loser, and that's been how it's been from checkers and chess as a five-year-old to now in business. It's like there is a winner and there is a loser. And you can call it whatever you want, participation. But if I win, I've won. And if you beat me, then I lost. There's second, third. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good, but you still lost. So it's like, and that's just how it's been in our house for forever. We have in our garage and my mom, there's tons of trophies out there in the outside second place third and we don't, I don't even care what they do they don't, I don't care what they look like out there they'll just that they're, they're gone so I mean yeah I'm, I'm happy with I'm not like a sore loser but I definitely want to win though so and that's for anything yeah and that's been your whole life then basically yeah I mean pretty much I mean we we've I mean if, if you're not winning you're not doing it right so I mean we're trying to win with and it's not always a fact of just like coming in first it's winning it can be winning in like going to school to play football, like, that's a win mm-hmm. for me. So even if it maybe wasn't 
where I wanted to go. Like everybody has the dream of like being the Division One Heisman Trophy winner, all that, like going to NFL. But I knew mine was, and that's what I wanted. But at the end of the day, like when I think back on it, it's like my goal was to go to college, play football, and get school paid for. Like that's what I did. So that's a win to me. So it's like starting a business is a win. So like it's still winning, even though maybe not first and second place, but you're still winning in aspects of life. So that's winning through the process. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's all about that. And I think a big aspect is not so much focusing on just the end result because mm-hmm. there is a process. Exactly. And yeah. you have to have those small wins <laughs> exactly. throughout the whole process mm-hmm. to really get to where you want to be. So was there an aspect of you wanted to play at Clemson, mm-hmm. following your dad's footsteps? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, of course, being right there at all times, I mean, that was always the goal. I mean, a lot of kids that were older than me in school, that's where they went. DeAndre Hopkins, Jarvis Jenkins, Deshaun Williams, like all of those guys, like, went to Clemson, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm next, I'm next, and even out of high school, I had the opportunity to go, like, could have been, a, could have been, a, like, a preferred walk-on and stuff like that, but again, like I said, and I, if I would have went, would have been very happy, like, I mean, wouldn't have known no difference, but. Now, are you sure you would have been happy? That's what I, I think, like, I say I would have been, but I think about it, too, and I'm a player, I feel like, and so, I went to Newberry and went to Clemson for a little while. I graduated and went there. It just ended up not working out, so I went back. And being there really opened my eyes to a lot of things to where it's like I would have got there, probably wouldn't have played no matter how hard I tried, and that's not what I wanted. If I would have got there and never knew any difference, I probably wouldn't have cared. I'd have been like, oh, yeah, this is still cool. But I want to play. Like, I want to be a part of it. So, like, going to Newberry allowed me to have the chance to play, like, be a part of the team, like, get dirty, like have those game time memories, like make those plays. And so that's, I definitely think I made the right choice by doing that. And that's just kind of how it's been. But of course, yeah, I wanted to go there growing up. I mean, me and my brother both did. I mean, that was just kind of like, that's all we knew though. You know, growing up in Clemson, you don't know anything but Clemson. You don't, you don't even hear about other schools. It's like, (laughs) like, I mean, this year, the national championship, I didn't even know it was being played until literally that night. Cause I turned on the TV and I'm like, Oh, because we're in Clemson, you don't hear about it. Nobody's talking about it unless Clemson, if Clemson's playing, we probably would have closed the gym. It's like everything <laughs> shuts down. It's a holiday. So, I mean, yeah, that's what I wanted, or I thought I wanted at least. But once thinking back on it now, it's like I just wanted to go play and go to college and play football. So, I mean, that's what I did. Why nursing, though? Okay, yeah, see, so nursing, like I said, I wanted to go to school to be an engineer went to a Division II school where they don't offer engineering. So it's like they do a 2-3 thing. So it's you can go to, for mathematics, and this is what my brother did. And so I, I thought about doing that, but I didn't really want to. I was thinking, I'm going to stay here the whole time and play football, so I didn't want to be three years and transfer or something or just take two years of whatever classes. And so I thought about, I looked at some of the other things, the other majors, I didn't really want to do those. And so, like I said, my sister is going to school to be, a, she was going to school to be a doctor at the time, and she is now. But she was like, well, you should do nursing. You know, it's math, science, things like that. So I was like, okay. So I did all the prereqs, and I enjoyed them. I liked them. And then, next thing you know, in the program, so I just started rolling with it. <laughs> and so by then, once I got in the program, it was more on graduating on time because, again, I knew I, I got injured, so I had an extra season, and I still loved Clemson and wanted to go there. So I was like, well, if I graduate on time, I knew about like, the transfer rules kind of. And then if I graduated on time, I could transfer. So I'm like, oh, yeah. So I'm going to graduate on time. So I made my, that was extra motivation to get through it. So 
finished school, graduated, and it ended up getting the transfer and go, but it still didn't work out, so I came back. But that's kind of what got me through, honestly. I enjoyed it, but by the time I was done, I didn't love it, and I knew when you're dealing with people's lives, like, you need to love it. Yeah, you do. And so it just ended up not being for me. I enjoyed I learned a lot, and I think I used a lot of what I learned from it. I just didn't end up going to the hospital. Like I said, preventative health here at the gym oh, it is, yeah. rather than in the hospital. So. It does help you at least, yeah. uh, you know, from that aspect yeah, of, so, of being here. What was the injury? Uh, I tore my MCL, ACL, meniscus, and dislocated my knee all at the same time. All at the same time. Yeah, so. All right, walk me through the play. So, well. Or what was it? It was at practice, actually. But so. Well, it's Mark, even worse. Yeah, really worse. So what Marcus Lattimore did, exact same thing, yeah. except his was a little more gruesome than mine, but was making a tackle and I tackled the guy, and I kind of turned him around and had him up in the air, and he was, like, on top of my leg, and they hit me and hit him, and it just kind of just popped. Foot was stuck in the turf, so it just kind of just took it with it. You know immediately? Oh, yeah. I'd never been hurt like that before, but I knew. as soon It just was this thud pop, and it didn't even really hurt at the time, but afterwards, I mean, within moments after, you could really feel it. So, I mean, I knew right away that it was – a goner, and then just had to go from there. So when you say go from there, what was the rehab? What was that whole process? I mean, trying to get back as soon as I did it. So this was probably, I guess, I mean, it probably would have been like a year after Mark Slattimore. So as soon as I did mine, I knew he got back really fast with his. Like his was like record time. Or Adrian Peterson, I know I used to kind of rip, like think about him when he did. He got back really fast with his, and mine might have been worse than that. But as soon as I did, so I did it in the spring. I did it in March. I remember it was right before my birthday, I think. So it was like mid-March, whatever it was. And as soon as I did it, I literally told myself, all right, well, I'm going to play this coming season. I'm going to be okay by the summertime, I mean, in the summer. So I started working really hard on it. So literally first, the next day, I mean, you're able to walk afterwards because you have to, it's just, I don't know, for some reason you can't. But then surgery knocks you back a lot. But I started working on it right away, started doing rehab literally the next day, got surgery on it, and that was a big setback. I mean, it was tough, but... Started working on it, and I had like we have like a family doctor that does neurotherapy, so it's a lot of like sound waves and currency stuff, and so it helps with get your muscles going. So would see him every day, pretty much. Would like sleep with the machine on, constantly was training. Come home, worked out every day. Would just constantly yeah, do something. That discipline again, uh, right? I mean, it was twice <laughs> a day, every day, and ended up coming back. That season, I still ended up redshirting that year because I wasn't exactly ready right away. I would, I could have played. I probably could have started playing maybe the third or fourth game of the season, but there wasn't a need for it. So, I mean, better judgment, of course. They told me, you know, hey, just sit out the year, which is fine. Yeah, but how fine. tough was that, though? It was really hard at the beginning because the team kind of struggled that year, and I knew that I could help, I felt like. But I just found other ways to help. Like, so I started doing like the film for the team and would help coaches break down film and do a lot of that stuff. So even though I wasn't able to physically play, I was still mentally playing. So I was at all the games. I watched every game. Like I found a way to go because most injured guys, they would either stay at home for away games or would just be in the stands. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So it was like I had to find a way. So filming was the way for me to do. And I remember I, was, I don't like heights, and I had to get up <laughs> in that tall tower. And I remember the first time I was shaking up there. And it was a learning process to do that, but I was able to go to all the games. 
stand on the sideline, like help the younger guys, help the guys that were playing. Because I mean, I still was, I knew the plays. I would still watch and prepare for the game mentally just as much so that when I was time to play, then I would be ready to go. So then that spring came around and jumped right back into it. And then it was like, yeah, so I mean, you're still part of everything and Mm -hmm. you're not missing out on obviously the physical side, but to your point, the whole mental side, I mean, you're still engaged. Exactly. So it took just as many, if not more mental reps than physical. And that's all it was from that year. I mean, just mentally grew a lot, just became a smarter player rather than a more physical player. So that's what I, how how tough was it on you when you knew it was over your football playing days were over? Um, it was hard, I would say. So I feel like that I kind of dealt with it twice growing up. So after high school, my very last game, that was probably the, the hardest because we lost and I didn't have any offers. So it was just kind of like I didn't think I was going to go play in college. It was just like, what do I do now? And that really hurt. I was hurt for a while. Like, I mean, and I just wasn't sure. I was unsure. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Like, didn't have anything going for me, so I mean, but then again, I started working for that and then finally got offers. When we were done in college, I guess, I mean, I still remember our last game, but I, I, I just remember I, I was sad, I think, but I, I was still looking forward to, like, I was more looking forward to, like, what was next after that. Like, not that I was done with football, but I was excited because I knew, okay, even if I knew my chances were slim, to go play in the NFL is like, I get to try now. So it's like, you know, the whole reason we ever started to play football was for that. I mean, first time I touched the football field, the goal wasn't to, hey, I want to be pretty good. This goal is, hey, I want to go to the NFL. Like, you know, you asked me at eight years old, oh, yeah, I want to play in the NFL. Of course. Like, and it wasn't wanted to. It was like, I'm going to. Like, that's what it was. So once I was doing that, it was like, I had to make myself rest for like a week or two before I even got started. Because I remember as soon as I was done, literally the next day I texted my trainer back here at home. I was like, hey, I'm ready. So let's start. He was like, we'll start in January. And this is like early, late November. I'm like, I'm ready no, now. No, no. I'm ready. So yeah, I was kind of excited for that part of it. But, I mean, of course, I was sad that that stage was done. But by then, like I said, I was a more of a smarter player. So I knew like there was either more. But I knew at that point not many people go past. So I was also realistic with myself, too, though, like, in my mind, I never doubted that it wouldn't work out, but I also understood, like, hey, if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, so, so was there an aspect, I mean, you were trying to mm-hmm. make it in the NFL? Yeah, so, I mean, I did, we had, like, our NFL combine, I did some CFL combines and things like that, but just never went anywhere past that, but, I mean, I enjoyed the experience of it, I mean, getting to go do that, compete against other guys, like, the whole combine, it's kind of like getting out of high school again, doing the whole recruiting thing, except I could feel the difference. I always thought that was cool. Like, in high school, I'd go to those combines, and I'd be nervous. And I'd be like, oh, oh, this is like, you know, this is kind of scary. In college, it's like, I go to those things like, no, nah, I'm a grown man now. So it's like, <laughs> come on. And, like, and just I remember just, like, the whole outlook on it was just completely different. So I enjoyed those a lot and would do those. But then after that, I mean, it didn't work out. But then we went on and tried. I mean, it all led to this eventually. But, I mean, it was a long road in between there. Now, you, you play defense mostly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've always been curious. It seems like defensive players, mm-hmm. there's something off just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. right? That, yeah. I mean, you want to go full speed mm-hmm. and just hit somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what's the mentality like playing defense? I mean, it's definitely, I feel like you're right. Though. I think you can tell the difference between, like, 
offense and defense guys. Not going to say the offense guys are soft, but it's just like it is. A There's diff- something different. It is different because it's like, you know, they're I mean, not all of them, but most of them, you know, they're not trying to get hit. They're avoiding. For me, it's like that's what I like theme for. It's like I want to do that. Like I want to run into like I want to do the hitting. I want to make tackles and like. That's kind of more of, like, the player I was that, like, I did special teams and things like that, but, like, I wanted to make the tackles. Like, I could care less about that football. I, I wanted to hit you. Like, that was just <laughs> what drove me, drove me, I guess. And I don't know why. I mean, my dad played defense. I did. My brother did. It just, I don't know where it comes from. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's whatever it is as kids. You just build it up. But that's just kind of what I started to do. And then just my mind just kind of grew to that as I got older, and my dad would always tell me, you know, you'd rather do the hit and then be hit. And so that just stuck with me, and it just kind of went from there, and, and I just loved it. Well, again, it is one of those things I think you have to love it mm-hmm. to play defense, yes. there, and especially at a high level mm-hmm. as well. I mean, just the, the collision speed and the force is mm-hmm. just so much different. And I know you experience mm-hmm. that as yeah. going through the different levels. Oh, yeah. What was the time, or was there a time where you got knocked out? If anybody ever tells you, like, I, me and my brother got an argument about this the other day. It was like, if you ever say that, like, if you play defense and you say you never took the hit, yes. you're probably lying. Like, <laughs> you got hit at some point. And, I mean, oh, from young ages, because, I mean, I played offense. But, oh, I mean, definitely playing defense. I mean, there was plenty of times because I wasn't always the biggest person. I didn't gain weight until I got to college. I mean, I think I went into college probably weighing 175, soaking Jeez. wet. You know, you get up there. 25-year-old grown man, Dang, I definitely took some hits then. And then probably, I mean, then I ended up probably being around like 210, so I gained weight. But younger, I mean, I never was like, my dad always tells you, know, you don't hit low below the waist. I'd probably, I, I wouldn't finish a single game now because they, they'd kick me out every game. But, so I used to always run up in there tall and would just take it to the chest, take it to the chest. So, I mean, there was countless of times where I would just hold them and go back with it. But, I mean, I still enjoyed it, though. It, it wasn't a fact of, like, how I hit them. It was just run in there and grab them. That was the main thing for me. It was just, like, run in there. And my dad was an old-school player, so that's kind of just what he taught. Oh, like, yeah. That's just how he taught to play, you know. He used to tell me all the time, we don't do that ankle tackling. Like, you wrap up, you run through them. And that's just what it was our whole life. So it was just run. We used to do tackling drills in our front yard. And hit him. I mean, he grown me 300 pounds. Me and Solomon would be out there with a short pads bounce on. off. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would just tackle us. This is how you tackle. Wow. And hit us. But, um, and I just just grew up with it and just loved it. But, yeah, definitely took my fair share just as many as I'd give oh, you have to. to. No, have to. So. Yeah. Who were some of the guys that you looked up to, though, that were in college, in mm-hmm. pros, that you wanted to emulate? Oh, I mean, it's a lot of And even in basketball. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a lot of people. So, like I said, so grew up with a lot of those guys that were, so Jarvis was, like, the first. I mean, but there was a lot of other guys. And just in high school is where it really started. I had a lot of guys growing up. My mom was a high school teacher, so I would always watch a lot of those players, just older friends or whatever that would be. But I remember Jarvis was a great player. Um, Nuke was a great player, of course. Deshaun probably had the biggest impact on me in high school, I would say, other than, like, my friend A.D. Um, or Adrian. He, he went and played receiver at Clemson. But I remember Deshaun kind of took us under his wing. I guess he was a year older than I was. A.D.'s younger than I am, but I still looked up to him even though he was younger. But he was, like, the one that set the tone with, like, working out, like, he, he plays now for the Broncos and is undersized defense lineman, but 
will outwork anybody. I mean, he's extremely, extremely strong. He's smart. He's, like, good technique. And so when we were in school, I mean, we would work out every day. Like, we'd come early just to get in his workout group and work out with him. And so I knew, and he kind of set the tone early for us. And, like, so that's just what it was for me. And I never really strayed away from that and then just kind of goes from there. So, honestly, I think, I mean, between him and my friend Adrian, like, they kind of both set the tone early, and it just kind of went from there. We definitely, like, the working out and, like, just kind of having that attitude towards the game. Of course, I had, like, idols, like Brian Dawkins yeah. or Sean Taylor. I mean, anybody that plays, I mean, I'd watch their videos countless of hours. I mean, you know, just watch them. But, like, to, like, be able to talk to them, I mean, I watched all the players at Clemson growing up. So those were always good. But I guess if I really break it down, I mean, there's other coaches and stuff like that. But, like, player-wise, I mean, I had other players that did it. But he was, like, the main one that kind of, like, set the tone, I think, early on for us. How much uh, of a fan are you of certain teams? Can you be? Uh, not really a fan of teams. I, I, I like players. So, like, my friends that play, it's I, – I, I struggle. Like I said, it's the competitive thing. I struggle with cheering for somebody that's the same age. Or it's like doing that, doing something that I want to be doing. I'm like, and now I, I look at it a little different now, being older. But like when I was in school, when I was in college, like people be like, "Oh, what team do you like?" Well, of course, I like Newberry. That's where I play. Like, so I'll, I'm not, I'm not going to cheer for Clemson and play here. That'd be weird. But I mean, I enjoy watching teams, but I don't really have a favorite team anymore. I just like I watch my friends play. I cheer for their team. Like whoever they're playing for, and I just like watching sports now. So it's just like I want to see a good game. You know, I don't, I don't mind the blowouts. Like, yeah, I mean, if they win, that's good. But I'm indifferent on who wins or loses most of the time. Now, what about flipping things? Now, shoes on the other foot mm-hmm. from the perspective of you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and it's growing, it's successful, mm-hmm. and there's probably people looking at you saying, "I want to be like Marcus. Mm-hmm. I want to be." successful like that how, how does that make you feel knowing that there's probably people out there yeah, that's I, like that I um I mean I encourage I mean like I want to be that role model I mean I feel like even when it was younger I still tried to do that in friends that maybe weren't in the best situation or maybe not the best player I would try to help them out and do that same here I mean I always want to help people and be like a positive role model towards them I mean I'm all for somebody wanting to do what we do and things like that, but then there's a fine line of when they become competition. But <laughs> I mean, competition, yeah, and it? it goes right back to it. But um, no, I mean that's great. Like I like it when I, I don't have it all the time, but like you'll go somewhere sometimes, and somebody will just recognize you, and it's kind of cool. I mean, I think that's like especially when they know you for like a good thing. They're like, oh, you're on the junkyard. I think that's really cool. Blah blah. Like, or we'll do things with, like high school kids in here. We'll have like a high school football class and getting to talk to them and just kind of teach them things that maybe I wish somebody would have told me when I was that age. So I think that's really cool, and it's something, I mean, I would never tell somebody not to do what we're doing, I think, because it's what we want to be doing. Now, whether it's a gym or whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, whatever to, their passion yeah, is. Yeah, whatever they want to do. I mean, I would def, a thousand percent encourage them to do that, whether it's go open up a dental practice yes. or anything. It could be a construction site or do a gym. I mean, like. If that's something that you want to do, I mean, there's no reason not to do it. Agreed. And that's why I started this podcast yeah. in 2017. Mm-hmm. It's what I want to do. Let's, exactly. let's roll the dice and, yeah. and see what happens. What about, though, when you have clients 
are junkies mm-hmm. of the junkyard, mm-hmm. I should say. Let me yeah. get that right. Yeah. Yeah, right? Because I'm a junkie yeah, now. I'm, junkie, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I'm full-fledged. Yeah. How do you feel, though, when some of these junkies come up to you or post something saying, the junkyard changed my life, mm-hmm. and you see the transformations that are happening? I think that's, like, when I really realized that, like, this is a lot bigger than myself, and I like it. I mean, it, it motivates me a lot. I mean, there's multiple clients that come here that they motivate me. It's like I see them coming here every single day, and whether they're hurting or they're sore or maybe not in the best shape or the strongest or fastest, they're still in here. They, they go, they, I promise you there's some people in here that probably work way harder than I do, even if they don't run as fast or lift as much weight, but they're giving a thousand percent effort and you know, yeah, I could get in here and run faster than everybody, but am I really working hard sometimes? I'm thinking no, but like, so it's really motivating. I think I love seeing people that, because then it's like, it shows that what we're doing is really helping people out and it is changing their lives. So it's like, it just gives what we do a little bit more value and makes the long hours and the early mornings and late nights a lot easier because you're like, I'm not doing this for me. Like, I mean, I want to be doing this, but like I'm getting to come in here and change this person's life and help this person or help another person. So whether I come in here and it's a class of 20 or a class of one, it's the same for me because I'm going to try to help that one person just as much as I'm going to try to help all 20 of those people. So I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's that whole mindset of you get to do it rather than have to. Exactly. I mean, you love Mm -hmm. doing that. Then even from the perspective of you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, but you grew up in a small town and Will there always be this kind of small town country boy inside of you? Oh, for sure. I don't want to live in a city. I, I, I don't want no part of a city. Like, I'm all for this gym being huge and being in all the big cities. Do not want to live there. No. I want a house where I don't see no neighbors, pond in the backyard. That's done fine. I don't need nothing else other than that. Like, I love all of this, but oh, I can go sit in the field and be perfectly fine. Like, I love to be outside, like anything outdoors for me, I love that just as much as here. So my goal one day is to get this to be as big and so I can have all the free time and I'll I'll hunt fish, work out. That's it. I'll do that every day and be happy. (laughs) What what do you love about being outdoors? I think just the being peaceful and being quiet and just being in nature. I don't know. I kind of, you get to just be with yourself. You don't, you don't have to be on your phone. Like, there's no distractions of anything. It's, I mean, hunting and fishing, it's a challenge for me. So it's like, it's just something that I've always done growing up, and I just enjoy it. Sometimes, literally, I'll go hunting and know that I'm not going to shoot nothing and just go to sleep outside in the woods. Like, me and my friend, we'll go out there, and we'll just go to sleep. Like, we'll just sit there all day. Like, I just enjoy it that much, whether it's not a fact of, like, killing things or anything like that. I go fishing. I throw the fish. I don't even keep them. But I just like to sit out there and just being nature, I don't know, it's just yeah. something that I've always enjoyed. I'm not, I don't need all the loud noise and the fast pace. I just like it to slow down. It allows me to think about whatever I want to think about and then just be with myself. Are you a philosophical type of guy? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, I guess what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, Well, you just, I mean, you enjoy being, you're thinking about life. Yeah. You're just thinking about things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I do it. Sometimes I go out and think about nothing. Like, yeah. people ask me all the time, what you think about? Nothing. Just like, <laughs> and now a lot of people say you can't just be sitting there thinking about uh, nothing. They're literally nothing. Whatever's in, whatever's in front of me, that's what I'm thinking about. Clearly, so I mean, it's just like um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get deep or get emotional. I guess 
to myself. It's not something that, like, and that's kind of why I like to be out there, I guess. It's just, like, if I have a problem, like, I'm going to be the one to fix it or whatever. But I just like to, and not ever, it's not even a fact of being sad or happy. I'm never sad when I'm out there normally. I'm just happy. It's just what I enjoy to do. It's, it's just, just peaceful. It is. It's like, you know, you listen to the birds and water and trees. It's just like you're just out there and it's just you're in nature. There, it's, it's, there's no time. There's no speed. It's just you don't have to be nowhere. You're just hanging out. I enjoyed a lot. Now, is your brother and sister, are they that way as well? No. 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 <laughs> My brother, we'll, we'll, he'll go out there with me. We'll do things. But he, he's not one to just, like, sit there. He likes to move around. He, he'll stay in the house. It, he's, not, he's not not outdoorsman, but he did it more because I wanted to do it. My sister, oh, no, there ain't no bugs around her. She's, she's, she's going to be in the hospital where it's clean, and that's, like, her thing. She's adventurous, but I'm definitely the one that's, like, out there. I like to get dirty, fix things, like. That's more my speed. Was your dad that way? Kind of. I mean, he grew up in a small, like, little country town in Georgia, yeah. so I don't really know. I think he's more like that because I'm like that, so he did it for me. So he's the one that would take me fishing. My mom is real outdoors. She likes to be on the boat, sailboats. Like, she lived on a sailboat, like, did all that growing up, rock climb. So I think I get it from her. But, like, I mean, she's not going to go sit in the woods with me. But, I mean, <laughs> she would take me out on the boat. I mean, she would take me fishing. My dad would do all that stuff, so... They would do it, I think, more because I wanted to, maybe not because they want to, because, like, they don't do that now unless I'm, like, wanted to go do it with them. Well, that's a parent. I mean, they're, you know, doing things that makes their kids happy and and enjoyable. So that's what I want to do now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it worked, right? And how much do you know about just from your dad when he played at Clemson? The, The legend goes that he's the one who gave. The fridge, his mm-hmm. nickname. Yeah. So, I mean, is that talked about? Do you guys? Uh, I mean, I know. Um, I mean, I've known all those guys from baby. I mean, I'll never be the biggest person in the house. Like, me or Tommy, you walk in the house and any given Saturday, there's giants in there. I mean, you walk in there and you're just like, where are all these people? I mean, <laughs> and they're all his friends that he played with and things like that. So, I've always, I mean, he tells me that, but he's kind of, I mean, He's not like a claim to fame person. I mean, he'll let you know. If you ask him today if he played football, he'll tell you no, he was a cheerleader. And that's just kind of <laughs> how he is. But, um, yeah, he did that. So I, I knew about those things. Um, but I knew a lot of those people. So it was just like when you'd grow up and see them, I never really looked at a lot of them as like. I was just second celebrity. nature. They were just people yeah. in my house that ate all the food normally. So it was just <laughs> like. But I, I loved, I mean, a lot of those guys, I mean, they would talk to you about anything. So, I mean, they're great guys, a lot of them, and just it, it was nice to meet a lot of them. And, grow and your them. dad seemed to be, when I asked you about mm-hmm. that, being a philosophical type mm-hmm. of guy, your dad seemed to be that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, has he shared any of the stuff uh, with you over n- the years? No, he, he's very quiet. Uh, and he'll, he'll tell you, I guess, if you ask him, but there's not a lot. I mean, when it comes to my dad, it's pretty just we talk about whatever's going on and that's about it pretty much i mean there's not we don't get we don't have deep conversation yeah there's not none of that it's not it's just pretty simple I and mean, he's not very i'm sure he has emotion but it's just kind of like oh it's just not how it is in our house I guess. well i want to share something with you okay that, that i that i found okay and uh let me get my readers and you don't know you don't know about these things. No, no. Yeah. yeah I ain't got those. <laughs> I can't see the fine print yeah. man, without these. Okay, so this is from nineteen eighty three. Okay. This was in the Clemson Media Guide. Okay. So they did a 
basically a one-page profile uh-huh. of your dad. Oh, Lord. All right, yes. Yeah. And so they call him the philosopher. Okay. And so this is something that he wrote. Uh-huh. says, who am I? What I appear to be today and the way I will appear to be tomorrow will change. A new self continues to emerge, to be accepted and to be loved by myself and by others. I want to be one of the beautiful people. I want to be loved. But sometimes I don't see others as beautiful, and I'm not seen by them as beautiful. Because I see a little, can I go deeply enough to see totally? I have an urge to be fulfilled, to feel good inside, to feel I belong, to feel I am worth something, to be really free, to expand my mind, and to expand my heart. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that. I ain't ever heard that. So, yeah, I don't know. That that if that's a sign of him, I ain't ever seen it. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, how, how does that? Yeah, I mean, that definitely. Like hearing that, I mean, it's. I still I mean, I, if you said he, if 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 I didn't see that, like he wrote that or said that, I wouldn't believe it. I mean, I ain't ever heard him say nothing like that before. <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing. I mean, he just talks a lot of crap, honestly. So it's just like. Him to be, I don't know, I ain't never heard nothing like that. I always figured that nickname just came from him just talking to everybody. So it was just No, like, I think there's some yeah. reality to it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I think, it's, I think some of that has rubbed off on you, and you might yeah. not realize it, though, mm-hmm. uh, because of your mindset of what you have and just, again, building something mm-hmm. and how you view certain things. I, I think it's in there, too. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, like I said, I've never heard of that before, so I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Well, I was in that to you. Yeah, yeah. So you have yeah, that media that guy. guy. I'm going to go read it to him and say, hey, you said this? Because he'll, he'll, he'll tell me some story about it, I'm sure. Oh, of course. All right, so wrapping up then, just obviously what you've been able to build, the competitive side has obviously helped you. So how has sports been able to help you through your journey and even where you are now, knowing that, I mean, I know you still have goals mm-hmm. of other things you want to reach, but yeah. how has sports played such a big role in your life? Uh, I mean, you, I can accredit just about anything that my mom and dad didn't teach me to sports. I mean, you know, you get to meet so many good people and bad people, but, I mean, coaches, I mean, all the things that they teach you. I mean, it's just, like I said, a big thing for me. Probably wasn't the, the best kid growing up. I mean, I, was, I think I wasn't what bad. Do you mean? What do you mean not the best? bad, but, like, I mean, had a temper, had attitude, wasn't always the most coachable kid. So I had those problems growing up. But as I got older, you know, I mean, I learned that, like, if I want to do things, you got to do what you got to do to do those things. So becoming coachable, uh, like I said, being the smarter player, um, you know, not always doing things just for somebody to say good job or for the end result, you do it because you want to do it. I remember one of my coaches, and this is a still a thing that I do, he's one of my, really one of my favorite coaches, but he was my roommate's dad, he was my defensive coordinator, I mean, my DB coach at Newberry, and I remember one time I had a, I made a good play, and I was like, you'll never tell me good job. And he said, what you want me to do? You want me to tell you good job for doing what you're supposed to do? <laughs> and I walked away, and I was thinking, hey, he's probably right, you know, and I, and I, and I stuck with that, because then the next play I messed up, and he, yelled, and he yelled at me, so, you know, it's just like, and, and I, everybody can't think that way. I mean, it's just like not everybody's built that way, but I think about that a lot. Like, I don't do things for people to tell me good job. Like, 
I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So, like, like I enjoy, like, you know, something, oh, Marcus, you're really good at this, or great job. Like, I appreciate it. Like, I'm thankful. But at, deep down, I know, like, I'm really just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, Marcus, you show up to work every day on time. Like, you work hard. Like, that's great. Like, I love that about you, but that's what I'm supposed to do. So it's like, I don't do it because I want you to thank me or notice that. I, just, I do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, being coachable, I mean, I'm not always right. I mean, I, I learned those things, like taking criticism, and I think that's like how me and Ben work together really well. It's like I can take that coaching from him, and it's, we have culture codes, and it's like one of them is like coach, and it's call out and call higher. So I'm not afraid to be called out or call somebody out and ask more of them or maybe ask more of myself. And so a lot of things like that, the being competitive, working together as a team, like it's bigger than me. So it's like I'm doing this for everybody else because we're a team. And just kind of different things. I I can go on and on, I feel like. I mean, bouncing back from things like setbacks, like with my knee. So that was really tough mentally because it scares you. You know, when you come back, you think, oh, I can't play the same, but you can. So, I mean, you can do those things just because it's gone doesn't mean it's gone for forever. And just kind of just staying down and working hard, I think. So, I mean, sports has really taught me everything. I mean, and something, you know, you kind of pick what's for you. Not everything's going to be for you. I can't play every sport. So, I mean, I can like, I can like and love every sport, but you can only do one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think when it comes to what sports has taught me, it's a lot. I mean, it's pretty much made me who I am. And I would not want to see what I was like if I didn't play sports. I mean, I'd still probably be a good person, but... I don't know. I probably would be pretty lazy. Yeah. When when did you then, I guess, be able to channel some of that anger that you mm-hmm. were talking about and actually use it for positive? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I would say high school. I was pretty rough in middle school growing up. Well, when you up. say rough, what do you mean rough? I just was loud and had a bad attitude and just didn't listen to people and I was going to say exactly how I felt when I wanted to say it, and <laughs> it didn't always it didn't it wasn't didn't always work out for the best for me. And so I knew when it came to those things, like I had good coaches, and they you know taught me. And like one of my coaches, he was like, you know, whenever you get mad, just let me know. We'll go we'll go work out. We'll go to the weight room. I was like, all right. And they he regretted that because I called <laughs> him the next day. Um, but and I learned that. And then it's like you know the the weights will they'll uh, fix your attitude really quickly because. You can get mad, but that weight's going to get heavy. Oh, that's and, right. And you're just not going to be mad no more. But um, it just, you know, I mean, it just kind of kept me straight. And I knew I held sports very highly, and I knew if I wanted to play, I had to be good. So, you know, and that was one of those things. This is what I wanted, so this is what I have to do to do what I want. So I had to do that. But was there a moment that the switch flipped, or was it a just a uh, progression? No, I mean, there was definitely, like, I knew... I mean, there was probably a time, I'm sure, but, I mean, I just knew it. I knew, I, I probably would say, like, ninth, tenth grade, I knew, you know, if you're not on varsity by tenth grade normally, they used to tell me, if you're not, not varsity by tenth grade, you ain't going to Division One. I, I need to do that. And then I just kind of knew, like, hey, well, if I keep getting in trouble, I'm not going to be able to play. So I knew that that's what I wanted. I needed to start playing. So I just kind of just turned it around from there. And a lot of people were like, oh, you ain't going to do nothing. Like, you're just a bad person. And so I didn't want to be that person, so and change that. Yeah, so you right. changed. Yeah. So that, that's that's a big change mm-hmm. to have a viewpoint where somebody might think you're a bad person mm-hmm. to now because it, now, yeah. I mean, I think everybody yeah. that would just come to know you be like, oh, Marcus is a great guy, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that, you had to work at that. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, and that's what I want people to think. That's, that's who I am. I mean, 
And even then, I think, like, it's not that I was just, like, bad. I just, I don't know, I just didn't. Were you selfish? I mean, I guess in a way, because, I mean, clearly I didn't care about other things. It was just myself, so I didn't think about things that I hurt and messed up. It was just, like, I'm not happy. Nobody's going to be happy. So it was just, <laughs> like, or I don't like this, so ain't nobody going to like it. Or if I can't have it, can't nobody have it. So, I mean, I, I guess you could say selfish, and so I had to learn that it, that's, I can't be that way, so I definitely had to fix that. Well, and, and that's, that's human beings, yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm that way, too, yeah, believe so. me. And that's why I even struggled early on mm-hmm. having some anger type of things, especially playing sports. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't win, yeah. oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, you yeah, know, it was DEFCON down, 5. Yeah, it was a bad day. That, that we were right there with you. So yeah. It, that's it, how it was. And so I just knew that, like, well, hey, if I didn't want to be angry for losing, I'd try to win. Mm-hmm. And, but I knew also, I just knew if, if I wanted to play, I needed to do right. And so, I mean, school was never an issue, like getting good grades. It was just, I don't know, just making sure I just did it just right wasn't stuff. a priority. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, so I did good in school, but I'm saying, like, just being I mean, respectful, you know, authority, listening to coaches, you know. I wasn't good with the coaching, like being coachable, because if you told me I was wrong, I know I'm not. And it just, it was bad. <laughs> but, uh, but I had to learn that and learn that. Other people know more than me sometimes and just grew from there. Well, the owner of the business, that'll teach yeah. you that as well. You don't know very everything. Quick, very quickly, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, right. yes. You don't know, I do not know everything when it comes to this. So there's all, and, and that's like a big thing that we practice between me and Ben ourselves. Like, we'll go meet with people and just listen. We're like, we just want to be sponges. We just want to learn because there's a lot that we don't know. I mean, yeah, I know how to work out, but I mean, I don't know everything about it. And running a business, well, we knew very little at the beginning. So, I mean, we were taking every bit of advice that we get, some good, some bad. I mean, some you use, some you don't use, and you just kind of pick and choose from there. What's the, the next chapter of the vision for the junkyard? Just continue to grow and continue to expand, but still stay the same. I mean, we want to keep the same culture and DNA, but, I mean, we want to take over and be as big as we can be. I mean, there's not, like, an end goal. It's just to grow. So, I mean, we're going to go as far as we want to take it, I guess. How important, then, is it to continue that, that culture, that community oh, that's that the, the junkyard has? That's the main priority, I think. Like, I feel like once that, we won't grow faster than that will let us, I think. Like, yeah, we want to have millions of locations, but we know if we grow too fast, then all of that will just kind of stray away because it's just one little thing in time, and it'll just kind of waver, and we don't want that, so... We're very big on little things, little details, um, just, you know, calling people by name, just knowing people, you know, challenging people differently, just knowing different things about them, celebrating birthdays, um, just doing the little things right so that as we continue to grow, that kind of just sets the tone. So, you know, as soon as you walk in, this is what we expect, this is what it is, and then so you just kind of fit in with everybody. It feels normal by then because you're not doing things different. Like coming in here, we were talking about the other day, like, coming in and, like, jumping around and dancing and singing and teaching, like, might not be your personality. But when you come in here, if you don't do that, then you you look like the weird, like, out-of-place people. Like, it might feel weird to you to do that, but if you don't do it, everybody's looking at you like, yeah, why aren't you guy, doing yeah, that? Like, this guy's weird. But if you do do it, even if you're uncomfortable, everybody, it looks normal to everybody else. So it's like we want that culture to kind of always be the thing of, like, being personable with everybody, like, knowing everybody, no matter how big we get. We don't ever want somebody to come in and just feel like we don't care about them or don't know them. We want them to 
feel like they're a part of it and feel like they're known. Well, now, some of the things that I've seen in terms of birthday celebrations, I've seen some people doing some birthday birthdays. Yeah, birthday. Well, it, it'll, it'll change. That, that doesn't look fun, hey, man. Hey, one, one day out of the year, you can get a little bit of extra work in. So we try to, we try to celebrate in different ways. You know, we can't bring you a big old cake. And <laughs> no, you, do, you guys do a great job with the whole culture, community, and that's what I love about it as well from that perspective. Last thing. I'm big on words of wisdom, mm-hmm. things that you know, have impacted people's lives from phrases, mottos, quotes, mm-hmm. or even just life advice. Mm-hmm. What about from your perspective? Do you have anything that has... Yeah, I thought about that um, from the other day, and I was thinking, you know, I could probably think of plenty of like, motivational quotes yeah. and everything, but I was thinking, you know, that's not really what drives me. I was trying to think, like, what drives me, and I'm really not sure, and I think what it really boils down to is just doing the things that I want to do. Like when I see things like running the business and like this is what I want to do and I want to be successful and however that might be, that's what I want to do. So that's what I work hard. And like I said, you see that end goal. It's not about, just, it's never, like, you're not just going to get to the end goal. You have to work towards it. And so you got to enjoy it on the way because if you don't enjoy it, it's not ever going to be worth it. So I definitely would just, I mean, my words of wisdom would just be to do the things that you want to do. I mean, regardless of what that is. I mean, if it's something that you want to do, you're never, you're never going to be wrong for doing it, whether it's starting a podcast. Like, no matter what happened with this podcast, you would never be mad that you started it. Or even with this gym, like, I love it. Like, people are like, it'll be whatever it is. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe people have to go to work after this. And I realize, well, I'm at work. Like, I don't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, it would definitely be just do the things you want to do and then don't be afraid of hard work because, I mean, if it's worth it, it's not going to be easy to get. So, I mean, and if it is easy, it's probably not that worth it. So, I mean, well, anything yeah. that is great is mm-hmm. going to require hard work. Exactly. And that's just the reality exactly. of life. And so I think that's probably just my main thing is if it's worth having, then you need to be able to put the work in to get it. So. Well, it's been an honor having you on the podcast yes, here, sir. Marcus. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm glad yes, we got sir. to do it. Thank you. Thank you. While we all can have this quest for success, how we define success is just as important as the quest itself. And for Marcus, it's pretty simple. After you peel away all of the layers, that true success isn't just defined as winning, but much more about doing what you enjoy. And through that enjoyment, you'll find that there are successes scattered throughout your journey And if we've learned anything through life, it's that one small success can lead to another and then that snowball effect occurs. And if you want to see some of those small increments of success lead to bigger things every single day, then make sure you visit the junkyard in upstate South Carolina and you'll experience firsthand how the mad scientist helps the fellow junkies reach success in one part of their life. Now that finishes episode 151, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.